Hello, this is Pastor Arlene Romaine, and you are listening to Listen, Live, and Learn, where we listen to hear God's Word in order to live it out in our daily lives and learn by applying the scriptures about ourselves, our world, and our God. I'm so glad you're here, so let's get started. Welcome, my friends. This is episode number 33 of Listen, Live, and Learn. I am your host, Pastor Arlene Romaine, and I'm so glad that you've joined me again this day to listen to some more scripture, uh, to hear the Word of God, uh, to read directly from our Bibles. We are certainly um, a blessed group of people living in a time when Uh, technology makes it so easy to have scripture at our fingertips. Uh, Some of us read the Bible daily right from our phones, uh, others from our computers, Um, but I find that there is no better means of reading from the scriptures than actually having a text. And so I'll be reading uh, to you this day from uh, the text once again mindful that even in the reading of the word, uh, the power of that word goes out into the world. And so um, I hope that you are blessed by this time of reading from the scriptures. We're going to pick up where we left off last time. We are in uh, chapter 16 of the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to be picking up where we left off at verse 13 and reading to the end of the chapter. So let's begin together. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. 
Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose his life. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Today we read the account of Jesus walking along the road through Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. This is an area that was notorious for its worship of various Greek and other uh, pagan gods. There were many temples and statues set up, uh, and one would see the dedications of the people um, as they walked through this area, uh, the offerings and uh, the devotions that would be said or gifts left to the various gods in the hopes that those uh, pagan gods would uh, turn their favor toward the people and grant uh, their prayers and wishes and desires. And it's so telling then, is it not, that it is there in this land ad adrift and amidst all of these uh, pagan and Greek gods that Jesus asks his disciples this question or these questions. First, he asks them a very general question, and it's one that's easily answered, and so his disciples reply immediately when he asks, who do people say that the Son of Man is? It is often easier for us to talk about others than it is for us to talk about ourselves. It is often easier for us to pass the judging eye or the testimony about what other people in the world are doing rather than uh, making the statements about ourselves with the same kind of confidence or condemnation even, judgment. Um, so when Jesus asks this question, he starts in a very general manner. Who do the people say that the Son of Man is. And so he also asks uh, a question not necessarily understood to be about himself, but again, much more general. Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they reply what some people have been saying about Jesus. Some say that he's John the Baptist. Others say that perhaps he's Elijah. So others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
Like many in the world, there are multiple interpretations of who Jesus is and what Jesus came into the world to do. And then Jesus asks the next question, which makes it a very personal one. Jesus asks his disciples, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Wow, what personal testimony this is getting to the heart of. And we find it is only one disciple who is willing to answer it. Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How about you? I wonder this day who you say to others that Jesus is. Have you ever actually been asked so directly as Jesus asks? I think perhaps it is good for us to stop and think what our answer might be. Is Jesus asking this question of us this day? Who do we say that he is? Can we testify with confidence and in an instant that he is the savior of the world? Do we believe that in his death he redeemed us and paid for our sin before God? Do we believe that Jesus is just a prophet, just a teacher, someone who uh, gives us good recommendations for how to live a fulfilling life? Or is he something far more than that? Is he the son of the living God in our minds and in our hearts? I think to recognize Jesus as the word made flesh puts the right focus on who he is, that God would choose to come into our world and put on human flesh in order to teach us in human words and through visible acts that we as human beings could see and we could hear and we could testify to to one another. God came into the world to show us how much God loves us and to show us what it means to be sacrificially loving and to understand that that is the kind of God we claim. God who is sacrificially loving and redeeming and desiring to set us free from all fear, desiring to free us from our sinful nature, our past regrets, the ways in which we have hurt one another, the things we have done that we regret. Jesus came into the world with the promise that by believing in him, by believing that his death paid the price for our sin, we no longer fear God and we no longer carry around the guilt, the shame, the regret of our sin. Instead, we learn from the things that we have done in the past and we are set free to go and live as Christ calls us to live, as he himself and only he has taught us to live. 
This is who Jesus is, the ultimate teacher, the redeemer of the world, the savior. Now I do want to include in our time today also Jesus's response to Peter, because I believe that for a very, very long time, these passages here, when Jesus speaks to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, I believe they've been misinterpreted, and I believe the way in which they have been misinterpreted has been damaging to the Christian faith. Many will tell you that Jesus proclaims Peter will be the rock upon which Jesus will build his church. But I believe the church of Jesus Christ is built on a rock far greater than mere Peter. After all, Peter is just a human being. We are all human beings. And yes, Peter is a part of the church and one of the first apostles of the church. And there at the very beginning, but some will say that Peter himself is the cornerstone and then claim that the church that claims to be built on Peter alone is the only real church. But I think Jesus personally had something far greater in mind in what it was he said. I believe that as he says these words, I tell you that you are Peter. Peter, meaning a small rock. So Jesus says that you are, you, Simon, son of Jonah, are Peter, a small rock. But on this rock, pointing to something else, on this rock, not on Peter, but on a rock far greater than a small pebble, than a single individual, on this rock, this bedrock, this immense and solid rock of Christ's death and resurrection, on Christ's salvation and redeeming, on that rock, Jesus will build his church. It is what Jesus is saying here that you, Simon, son of Jonah, are this small rock, this pebble, but on this rock, this bedrock, this tremendous rock, this solid rock of Christ's salvation, on that rock, Jesus has built his church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Christ's church has been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven, meaning that whenever we proclaim what Christ himself proclaimed, salvation, redemption, forgiveness, freedom, love, all of the positive attributes of Christ's message are the keys to entering the kingdom of heaven. And he alone is the one who sets us free. But we have to accept it. 
we also have to fully understand that it is Christ's salvation alone that sets us free and that when we've been set free, we are truly free. How many times we have hung on to our guilt, we've hung on to our shame and our regrets rather than letting them go and living into the freedom that Christ alone has provided for us. Christ has loosed us from our sin and yet we have a tendency to hang on to it. We have a tendency not to be able to forgive ourselves just as much as we have a trouble forgiving others. And so if we truly want to be in this kingdom of heaven that Christ provides, that means letting go and allowing ourselves and others to fully and truly and completely be loosed from those things that were once our chains. And Jesus also then uh, goes on uh, to tell us that if anyone wants to come after him, if anyone wants to follow him, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I think the hardest cross for us to take up and follow Jesus with is our tendency toward condemnation, our tendency toward being unforgiving, our tendency toward being self-righteous, and our tendency toward being judgmental of others. To deny ourselves and take up our cross is often to let down our pride, to deny our self-righteousness, to give up our desire to condemn others and hold grudges in that way. We follow Christ, Christ himself, who was so sacrificial, so self-sacrificing to the point that he died for us, for you. He died for me. And so because he has died for us, we now live in the kingdom of God. And we do that best by being like Jesus and being one, one of those rocks, right? One of those rocks that builds up Christ's church. Christ's church is not a single person. It is not a singular denomination. It is not a singular expression. Christ's church is the church of all who believe in him. And it is our role to look and sound and act like him. So I invite you this day to think about who it is you say that Jesus is. Who is he in your life? Who is he if someone else were to ask you? Who is Jesus? And to search your heart for the self-righteousness that perhaps drags you down that perhaps prevents you from truly forgiving others, to search your heart for the ways in which you fail to forgive yourself even while you've already been forgiven by Christ, and to let those things go. 
and to follow him to the best of your ability by denying your sinful tendencies and accepting his forgiveness. So that is all I have for you today, my friends. We'll pick up next time where we left off. I thank you so much for being here. If you are finding these podcasts helpful, informative, encouraging, I invite you to please, please let someone else know about them. Share, listen, live, and learn with a friend, with a fellow Christian, with someone else who is in need of hearing the word on a regular basis. And I will see you next time. Take care, my friends. Bye-bye.